Welcome to Indoctrination, a weekly conversation series about protecting yourself from systems of control. I'm your host, Rachel Bernstein. In the last few months, a bizarre conspiracy theory has taken root firmly on the fringes of the American right. The central theme here is that Hillary Clinton and many of the world's other politicians and celebrities are members of a murderous child sex ring. They believe that a group of military generals recruited President Trump to break up this conspiracy and end their control of the government and the media. Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much. Today, I am devoting this episode to talking about QAnon in potentially a different way than other people have talked about it. I don't know that for a fact. I just know that these are the angles that interest me and that I thought might interest you. It seems like everywhere you turn now, there are people who are trying to figure out what to do with their anxieties and the fear of the unknown. And sometimes the fear of the unknown makes us place too much stock in what people provide as the answers, the known. And we will adopt them sometimes without researching or at least counter-researching, meaning if we want to believe something to be true, we as human beings have what's called confirmation bias. We find the proof in what we read, and our eyes kind of glaze over, skim over, and ignore the rest, the things that conflict with what we want to see. So there are many people out there who are finding information that is proof, that underscores the basic tenets followed by members of QAnon. And there are people who will be reading the same news stories and won't find proof at all of those tenets. That's how you can be next to someone reading the same billboard or sit next to someone watching the same movie. And when you discuss it afterwards, you say to them, that's what you got from this. That was your takeaway. I saw it a completely different way than you. We filter things through our own lens. And in the case of Q, to the lens that it has put on people's eyes through which they then see the world. So. Why do I care? I care about QAnon because I've seen the fallout, and it's just getting worse. It has ruined many relationships. It has worried many parents, many spouses, many children, all of whom have contacted me using the same phrase, I've lost someone to QAnon. And part of the reason they feel they've lost them is there's no talking to them about it, and there's no arguing with them about it, and they know their loved ones are having private conversations with members of the group where they're commiserating and collecting more data and having a whole life that's separate now from their marriage, from their family relationships, from their friendships with people who are not part of the organization. There's also a certain kind of anger, an edge, a biting sarcasm, kind of a a willfulness in terms of how people decide it's okay to treat each other. And I've noticed that if people in this group 
are told they're being brainwashed, a lot of them respond by saying, no, you're the brainwashed ones. Or they'll say, so what? So what if I'm being brainwashed? It doesn't matter to me. At least I'm being brainwashed and being told the truth. So it makes it hard for others to feel like they're making an impact when they want to sit down, when they want to have a conversation, but it feels like the other person has their mind made up so fully that there is no breaching that barrier. And so I have seen it. I've seen that angry quality, the highly reactionary, aggressive, vitriolic, and emotionally, as I see it, regressed response that makes even trying to attempt the conversation with a loved one hard to impossible. People who have left talk about how it released their base instincts and how they suddenly had trouble managing their emotions or felt like they didn't have to. They had great intolerance and condescension. They went on personal attacks when people seemingly attacked their group. And they felt fine being insulting. They felt entitled to feel superior. That sort of overall, they just don't get it. They have blinders on. They don't know what we know until they open their eyes. They'll see it all, and they're choosing to remain ignorant kind of stance. Sometimes when people tell me about a particular group and try to describe it to me, and the beliefs are so out there and paranoid and disturbing, I think of it as a Mad Lib. I don't know if you remember Mad Libs, but you were offered a story, and there were blank spaces. And then people put in random nouns and verbs and adverbs and adjectives in order to complete the sentence and make a story. And honestly, describing QAnon's beliefs can make one sound like you're reading Mad Libs in a strange dystopian horror movie. Here's a brief description of what I mean. According to Travis View, who has studied QAnon and has also written about it quite a bit in the Washington Post, the essence of the theory is there is a worldwide cabal. That's a word that people have been hearing a lot. It means a secret political clique or faction. So I'll start this again because you need to hear it all together. There is a worldwide cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles who rule the world. They control politicians and they control the media. They control Hollywood and they cover up their existence and they would have continued ruling the world were it not for the election of President Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, in this theory, knows all about the evil cabal's wrongdoings. But one of the reasons that Donald Trump was elected was to put an end to them, basically. And, as he says, now we would be ignorant of this behind-the-scenes battle of Donald Trump and the U.S. military that everyone backs him and the evil cabal, were it not for Q. And what Q is, is basically a poster on something called 4chan, who later moved to 8chan, who reveals details about the secret behind-the-scenes battle and also secrets about what the cabal is doing. But wait, there's more. Followers of QAnon believe also that there is an upcoming event known as The Storm in which thousands of members of the cabal will be arrested, many sent to Guantanamo Bay, 
And then the U.S. military is supposedly going to be taking over the country in a brutal fashion. And the result of the storm, according to QAnon, will be salvation and utopia on Earth. So, Q's posts are very hard to decipher. Kind of cryptic. Mm, Some people say, actually, unintelligible. Allowing the followers to attribute certain meaning to these messages. There is this idea of confirmation bias, again, that people are going to read what they want to read and see what they want to see, and that happens especially when things are unclear. They find a way for these messages to underscore their already existing kind of lack of trust and overall anxiety in the world and government and the feeling that many people are up to many bad things But they now have gotten the key to be able to figure it all out. And other beliefs held by QAnon followers say that Obama, Hillary Clinton, George Soros, and I don't know why it's always George Soros, and a growing number of others are planning a coup while simultaneously involved as members of an international child sex trafficking ring. The Australian psychologist Stephen Lewandowski talks about the self-sealing quality of the conspiracy theory. Evidence against the theory, as he says, can become evidence of its validity in the minds of believers. Yep. Just take a moment to think about that and why then it's beyond frustrating for anyone who is trying to argue with believers. I'll repeat the quote. Evidence against the theory can become evidence of its validity in the minds of believers. That's when people say they start going down the rabbit hole, when they have a conversation where they're trying to have a person in QAnon look at what they're believing and look at it critically. The author Walter Kim has described Q as an innovator among conspiracy theorists by enthralling readers with clues rather than presenting claims directly. It's sort of like a game, like a treasure hunt. QAnon followers believe that children are being abducted in large numbers to supply a child trafficking ring. Oh, and also Tom Hanks is involved and is dead and is only appearing in the media because they're using a body double for him. Yeah. I didn't make that up. I mean, it was made up, but I didn't make it up. After about 30 years of doing this work, I, of course, can't help but see patterns. That when there are times of unrest and stress and the fear of the unknown, people get fired up to want to feel powerful and feel they have some control over their lives. Now, a lot of people are facing a lack of income and others are just dealing with boredom and are looking for things to fill the void, and the computer is there, technology is there. And when people have to keep separated from each other, often they've turned to the computer to connect. And they've found something here that they can connect with as a force that emboldens them and answers questions that maybe they didn't realize they had, and also makes them feel they're a part of a community. It's important to watch what happens with QAnon for many reasons and to follow it for many reasons, but especially because I feel that during times of unrest, there are those who set their sights on scapegoats, and QAnon 
really pushes people in that direction. With QAnon, it was initially the liberals. Well, that's where it began. And now it's moved to incorporate the usual suspects, unfortunately, the immigrants, blacks, Asians, and Jews. Unfortunately, as expected, many of the QAnon followers have moved into the realm of anti-Semitism and have brought back their own version of the blood libel. They believe that liberals and others are extracting a chemical called adrenochrome from children in order to use it for a whole variety of reasons. According to the Daily Beast, adrenochrome represents a mystical psychedelic favored by the global elites for drug-crazed satanic rites derived from torturing children to harvest their oxidized hormonal fear, otherwise known as adrenochrome. Yeah, you heard that right. Going back to the idea of patterns, this is the same as so many other groups. They have their own language, they have their own phrases, kind of secrecy, private conversations among the members that are supposed to be kept secret from those who are not followers, including spouses, parents, and children. Kind of dividing and conquering, feeling superior, having immense conspiratorial thinking, intense defensiveness, emotional regression, as I see it, them-versus-us mentality, which can cause a group to become militant, and that's why I'm keeping watch on it. The interesting part about them being militant is that they're thinking they are at war, even though they are the ones who have conjured up and are waging the war themselves. And the people who are non-believers are also seen, I think, by them, as I've heard, by them, as stupid and ignorant, and those who will not survive when the end comes kind of the basic apocalyptic idea over again. They didn't invent this idea. There's also this great irony that people within it feel they have broken from the masses and they're independent thinkers, but as we've seen, they have group think. They think alike. They speak alike. They have similar attitudinal shifts and behaviors. And this is not, to me, at all a sign of independent thinking. What this group has going for it, I say ironically, is that the facts that they lay out are unprovable and unmeasurable and actually don't matter. And the most demonized people are the ones who could prove them wrong, which is to say that the scientists, the fact checkers, people who have left the fold, and researchers, they are the enemies of QAnon. And if you can demonize all of those, then you teach people to ignore all of the sources of factual information they could gain access to, which would help them have critical thinking. According to a report published by NewsGuard, a company that tracks misinformation and rates trustworthiness of news sites, QAnon's ideological tentacles are taking root in Europe. Websites, pages, social media groups, and accounts have appeared all over the world now, too, and are gathering a large following. Combining the use of social media and misinformation about COVID and the pandemic in general, the movement has been able to kind of adapt 
and it feeds on popular discontent and anti-establishment ideas and thoughts and feelings. According to Alexander Reed Ross, a fellow at CARR and author of Against the Fascist Creep, QAnon claims to unite all oppositions in pursuit of a post-apocalyptic world that overcomes the demonic elites through a vigilant people who have received some occult mystical secrets as revealed by a prophetic leader devoted to the ultimate sovereignty. For Q and for much of the European far right, Trump represents a kind of salvation from the post-war liberal order. And, goes on to say, bizarrely enough, Omega Kingdom Ministries, essentially a QAnon church, was established where liturgy dedicated to QAnon conspiracies are reinterpreted through Bible verses. The Atlantic's Adrienne LaFrance alluded to a Gnostic tendency when she wrote that the language of evangelical Christianity has come to define the Q movement, which marries an appetite for the conspiratorial with positive beliefs about a radically different and better future, one that is somehow preordained. And also recently, in Rolling Stone magazine, there is something called the birth of Cuba mom. Parenting influencers have embraced sex trafficking conspiracy theories, and it's taking QAnon from the internet into the streets, and it's helping spread the QAnon mantras like hashtag Save the Children, which, by the way, has nothing to do with the actual organization Save the Children. So don't be fooled if you see hashtag Save the Children. It's QAnon. Or the mantra to go from dark to light. And so this hashtag Save the Children and numerous Save the Children marches, also hashtag Save the Children, across the country have played a role in bringing lifestyle influencers in general into the conspiracy theorist fold, particularly moms who are drawn to this idea of child protection that they think is woven into the theology and the ideology of QAnon. And as I was speaking with Rebecca Leon, who was a previous guest on this show, she was letting me know about how it really has taken hold within liberal communities, as she's seen. It's been woven into some of the wellness courses and marketing and teachings and the anti-vaxxer communities without people realizing they're connecting with something and furthering an effort that has an alt-right basis. Technology and the internet has been at the basis of how widespread this has become, and I think it's given people a chance to release so much of their frustration and be able to have a cure for their feelings of powerlessness. People also who have left say that they felt like they had permission to treat others as less than, and that felt actually kind of good at the time because for some of them, they felt that they were treated that way themselves. But sometimes people want to be able to have the freedom to kind of enjoy fighting and fighting for something, sometimes even if they're not sure what they're fighting for, kind of like having a fight break out and you just join in or jump on the group of people already wrestling to the ground and you add fuel to the fire as opposed to trying to put it out. There's a great primal release to that. And I think 
that is what a lot of people are drawn to, this primal release. On NPR, I was asked if technology could be a source of helping people leave this group. And it's a tricky question because it's so much easier for people to get drawn into it than for people to get drawn out. In fact, that's true of almost everything. And especially, though, if there's a high, if there is an intensity, but also if there's a community that's built around it. And that's what I think the appeal is for so many people. And that's why there are QAnon chants and quotes and memes and T-shirts and symbols. They are unifying forces. It's like being at some bizarre conspiratorial summer camp. So how would technology help? Well, it could divert people's searches to other sites, which could be an ounce of prevention. But it could also offer people things that are easily remembered, kind of a need for a super-saturated culture with an inordinate flooding of sensory technological input that we all have to deal with. By the way, Spellcheck just changed the word input to vomit, and I'm not sure it's wrong here. We need to offer an alternative to QAnon or at least some sort of passage out, but it would require that kind of the, the sound bites, the acronyms, the slogans, I think, at least this is my opinion, and things that are easily digested and easily repeated. And not because the people getting involved are not bright, but this is the way to catch people's attention. And this is a way for your message to have a higher chance at being passed along to others. When you want people who are already getting pumped up to an idea to change their minds, you can't just show them kind of the equivalent of a high school health film to say why they need to be careful about something. You need to offer them something with as much punch, kind of fighting fire with fire, being just as strong in your messaging. But it also will only work if it's respectful. If you appeal to the followers' intelligence, if you appeal to the fact that many of them are involved out of a compassionate sense that they actually do believe that this is a way to protect the children of the world. And that intention is a good one. And I think you also want to make room for another form of compassion in your message, which is acknowledging that nobody wants to know that they have been lied to and manipulated and used for someone else's effort. And also people don't want to necessarily drop their armor so quickly if they believe that they need these beliefs as their armor and these teachings as their armor as protection even if this war, again, is something that has been created and staged by the group that they were in. Some people may be ready to see the facts and have their doubts and their questions confirmed, and that will feel very good to them to see counter material, but others will still be wanting to feel the high of knowing the secrets. So maybe that's the way to reach them, that the information that you present is the secret behind the secrets. That's sort of on a meta level. It also would only work if people understand how mind control works, how people are taught to have blinders on to the facts. And one needs to know how to lower those blinders before you can present people with any information so they'll take it in. And that will take some doing 
it's not an impossible task, but you need someone who understands thought-stopping techniques. And again, how to make people open to hearing what you want to say. And I think the other part is you can't just take people away from something that makes them feel connected without offering them other connections, like post-QAnon groups. Then I think people will have an easier time leaving because they'll be able to switch one community for another instead of being left with nothing. The fear of being left with nothing, especially if you've also alienated your friends and family, often make people cling to a community even if they don't fully believe in the philosophy anymore. There is also a need to deconstruct what I see as the deification of Q. And what I mean by that is because Q is invisible. We don't know who he or she or they are. So there's a mystique. And when there is a leader who is invisible, they are much more easily deified into kind of a godlike figure. If you see there are just some people sitting in front of computers, it's a little harder to look at them as though they're sitting on an altar or have the powers of omniscience. And also that the writings are so confusing and vague that they leave things open for interpretation, meaning is given to quotes that may not have that meaning. And there is this idea that the harder things are to understand, the more highly meaningful and high level they're assumed to be. And that's just not always the case. And sometimes also the crazier the belief is for some people, the more power it holds because people think that it's so off the rails, it must be true because who could make something like that up? So when you have a deified figure or figures who have writings that you need to interpret, it's very much like going to Bible study. It's very much like the people who painstakingly poured over the Dead Sea Scrolls to try to find meaning in the symbols and in the words, and spent years doing so. It's important for people to know that if somebody is faceless, it does not mean they're different or higher-level human beings. It just means they haven't been revealed yet. It just means they are the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. And if people write things that don't make sense, it doesn't mean that it's an invitation to have to interpret them and understand them in order to save the world. It could be that the person or people writing these things are not coherent in their thinking. Or it could be that they're purposely being obtuse because they like the power of inviting people in to have to interpret what they say so that others spend hours trying to piece together the puzzle that they've presented that has purposely missing pieces. It may just be a game. Who knows? It may just be a power play. But I think after a while, people would feel very irritated that they were made to be a part of something that was just entertainment, possibly, for Q. I think the fact that people get involved in this because they don't trust the government makes sense. Many people don't trust the government. And many people don't trust people in Hollywood. And many people don't trust a lot of other people. And do people and organizations do things that are hidden and not fully revealed to us? No question. People also get very involved in this because they have a sense they are protecting those who need their protection and they are enforcing some sort of justice and keeping tabs on things to make sure that the most vulnerable are protected. And when people care, I want their energy and resources to be used well. 
There are too few people in this world who work hard to make a difference, who sacrifice in order to make a difference, who care to this degree. But you don't want to just be worked into a frenzy in order to be involved in an organization that just makes you upset about things but doesn't actually do anything. Yes, there is a sense that it informs the public. Yes, there is a sense that it's uncovering plots. But is that rescuing a child necessarily? I haven't seen the number of trafficked children go down since QAnon has begun. So it's not for me or for anyone else to tell people if they should belong or not or believe or not. It's for the people themselves to look at what's before them. Is it having the desired effect? Is it doing what it has promised to do? Has deciphering Q's messages led you to finding some underground awful place where children are being kept? Are going to rallies and wearing Q t-shirts and chanting QAnon chants preventing future traffic children? There's no data on that. And I think that matters. It would certainly matter to me if I were involved. If there is something that I have devoted myself to and that I've risked my relationships for, my marriage for, my job for, my feeling, my kind of sanity for, I would want to know it was worth it. It was worth that risk and that sacrifice. So far, I haven't seen action and prevention as much as I have just seen mood and behavioral changes in the adults who are involved. Being angry and aggressive, snarky and smug does not save children. If you want to save children, then save children. Are there pedophile rings? Yes. Is it beyond horrific and unfathomably inhumane? Yes. Is there enough being done to prevent it? No. But are there groups and departments addressing it that really actually rescue children as often as they can? Yes. And is QAnon one of those groups? No. It's not. Talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening. Tired of ads? Well, listen or download this show for free on NPR's Radio Public app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please support Indoctrination at patreon.com indoctrination. We have over 100 interviews that you can access with any donation. Subscribers receive bonus interviews and other cool goodies. And we love hearing from you too. So send us an email at indoctrinationshow at gmail.com. Thank you for your support.